Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, as we continue in this series through the Ten Commandments. You'll see this morning the commandment is remember the Sabbath. We will unpack that one together as we continue working our way through Exodus chapter 20. As we prepare to do that, I don't know if this has ever happened to you or not, but you are riding down the interstate and you see in the distance the Chick-fil-A sign off in the distance. And you're thinking that's probably a sign from the Lord. Your mouth begins to water. You're thinking about a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich, a large waffle fry, a sweet tea, an ice cream cup with their cookie crumbled on the top of it, and your mouth is watering. You hungry yet, church? And then it hits you. It's Sunday. And in your mind, in that moment, you think, I'm going to have to settle for Taco Bell. (laughs) You know, it's interesting when we think about Chick-fil-A being closed on Sunday, the owner of Chick-fil-A made the statement that he would close on Sunday, which is fascinating because that is the day that most restaurants do the most of their business. And yet for him, as a follower of Jesus, he said, I want to give my people an opportunity not to work so that they can worship. And for him, it was a matter of fulfilling the fourth commandment, the commandment that we'll talk about this morning. And so I want to read for us Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, going down through verse 21, as we've done each week. And then we will zoom in this morning, beginning in verse 8, on the fourth commandment. But this is God's word, Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. 
You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see that you would open our ears, that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As you're taking notes this morning in your bulletin, I want to encourage you to write down this main idea. It'll frame our time together as we consider the fourth commandment this morning. It's this truth God graciously gives his people the opportunity to rest and worship him. God graciously gives his people the opportunity to rest and to worship him. We're going to unpack this as we walk through the fourth commandment this morning, but I want to remind you, maybe you're new and you say the Ten Commandments, why are they important? And I want you to be reminded this morning of the purpose of the Ten Commandments. You'll see this up on the screen. There are four purposes, four reasons why the Ten Commandments are important for us. Number one, they reveal the character of God. They show us what God is like, that God is holy, that God is righteous, that God is good. They show us what the standard looks like for God's holiness and God's perfection. Not only that, they also show us our own sinfulness. The Ten Commandments show us that it is impossible for us in our own strength and our own power to fulfill the righteous requirements that God has set forth. It is impossible for us to save ourselves by our own righteousness. We fall short every single time, which moves us to number three. This should drive us to Jesus. So for us, it should remind us there is no hope for us to perfectly keep the law of God, which means we need someone else who can do that on our behalf and for us. We know it is Jesus and Jesus alone who perfectly kept the law of God on our behalf. The righteous, perfect sacrifice for our sin on the cross, it is only through a relationship with Jesus Christ that we can experience righteous perfection, not because of what we've done, but because of what he has done, his blood covers us and makes us righteous before God. Which leads us 
to number four, the Ten Commandments guide us after we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus. It gives us a guide to pursue righteousness. In fact, Jesus said about the Ten Commandments that it's what it looks like to love God, the first four commandments, and to love our neighbor, the last six commandments. And he says that perfectly they are summed up in this statement, love God and love people. And so for us as followers of Jesus, if that's you this morning, the Ten Commandments give us a guide. They show us what it looks like in our lives to love God and to love people. And so for us, as we seek to pursue righteousness through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us, it will look like us loving God well and loving people well. So now, let's focus this morning on this fourth commandment. And as we prepare to do that and talk about this command and its immediate context, I want to remind you that every single command is grounded in verse 2 of Exodus chapter 20, where God reminds his people first of his identity. He says, I am the Lord. Secondly, he reminds them of their relationship with him. I am the Lord, your God. And then he reminds them of the fact that he has delivered them from bondage in Egypt. He has rescued them. He has saved them. Every command is grounded in the truth of who God is, his relationship with his people, and the fact that he has rescued them from their sin. As we look at this, we realize that this commandment begins in verse 8, and if you notice, it continues walking down through verse 11. In fact, it is the longest command that we see, and I want us to look at it this morning. Notice what the Lord says to his people beginning in verse 8. This is the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. The Lord would go on to state For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I want you to consider this morning, one of the things that's interesting is the vast majority of the commandments start in the negative. We've talked about that before. Do not do this. Do not do this. But notice that this command begins in the positive, then it moves to the negative. The positive, the Lord says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I'd encourage you to underline three words in that sentence there in verse 8. The first is the word remember. As we think about 
remembering, I want you to know that as it's translated here, it's more than just I have a memory that I'm going to retrieve. It's more than just collecting memories in the past. In fact, as we read this, what we're reminded of is that the Lord is saying to his people, I want you to collect that memory in the past of the Sabbath. And I want you now to put it into practice. Notice that the Lord continues. And I want you to underline the word Sabbath. Because the word Sabbath means literally to cease. And as we think about it, it means to cease from work. And then I want you to underline the word holy. Because that word means to set apart or treat it as differently than any other day. So, so put this all together. The Lord says to his people, remember, recollect, and put into practice the Sabbath day, which was a day to cease from work. And I want you to set that day apart and to use that day to worship me. The Sabbath for God's people was a day to cease from work, to rest, and to worship the Lord. I want to remind you that at this point in time, the children of Israel had just left from being slaves in Egypt. And kind of think about this, because this is important as we talk through it. For them, for 400 years, as a people, as slaves in Egypt, guess what they would not have been able to do? They would not have been able to cease working. In fact, as you look through the book of Exodus, you realize that for them, they were working as slaves every single day. There was no break. There was no vacation. There was no rest. There was no labor day in Egypt for them. And as the Lord delivers them out of Egypt, he says to them, I am going to give you a gift. That gift is an opportunity for you one day a week to cease from working, to rest, and to worship me, to set that day aside as a day of rest and worship. The Lord, as you see in Exodus here, says to his people, it models exactly what the Lord did in creation. For six days, the Lord spoke all of creation into existence, Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And then on the seventh day, the Lord rested and he blessed the seventh day, the Sabbath, and made it Holy, and the Lord says, as I did in creation, children of Israel, I want you to imitate that as well. It was a gift 
to God's people who had not experienced rest and worship in Egypt. And notice that in the command, it extends not just for the people, but for their servants. It's extending also to the livestock that would have been able to rest as well. It extends even, the Lord says, to the sojourner, the foreigner who has come in. For the children of Israel, the Lord says, anyone who is within your gates and any animal that is within your gates on the seventh day, you have the opportunity to rest from your labor. And you have an opportunity to worship me. For them, they would have celebrated the Sabbath beginning at sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. That was the Sabbath for the Jews. And so I want us to now, as we think about this command in its immediate context, let's zoom out a bit and think about it in relation to all of Scripture. This command in all of the canon of God's Word, what do we see as we walk through passages of Scripture? Well, first, we see a very clear pattern. And this happens within the Old Testament. We see this over and over and over again. You'll see some passages of Scripture. I'd encourage you to read these in your own time with the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 15 through 19. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 19 through 27. Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 1 through 32. And what you'll see in this clear pattern that develops for God's people throughout the Old Testament is that when they obey this commandment to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy, not to work, but to devote it as a day to worship and honor the Lord, they experience, as a result of that, spiritual blessing in their lives. It's a beautiful thing to walk through the Old Testament and to see God bless his people spiritually as they walk in obedience to this command. But here's what we also see in this clear pattern, that when God's people neglect this command, that they experience spiritual bondage. Notice the contrast. When they obey the command, they experience the spiritual blessing of God. When they neglect the command, they experience spiritual bondage. We see that play out in the Old Testament. But let's think about this as well as we move into the New Testament. What did Jesus have to say about this command? Well, Jesus had a very clear position on all of the commands and specifically on this one as well. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through verse 20, again, I'd encourage you to look at this. Jesus is very clear that he did not come to abolish or to get rid of the law. He came to fulfill the law. So Jesus doesn't say about the law, don't worry about it, no big deal. Jesus says, I came to fulfill it. And then he says about the law, this is what it looks like to love God and to love people. But I also want you to recognize as well, not only does Jesus uphold the Sabbath in his life, here's something Jesus does that's very interesting. He is unwilling to allow man-made traditions to trump a proper understanding of the Sabbath. 
Here's what you have to understand, that the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they had developed their own understanding of what had to take place on the Sabbath, what you could do and what you could not do. And at every turn on the Sabbath, as Jesus heals, as he casts out demons on the Sabbath, what you see is that the religious leaders, the Pharisees of Jesus' day, say, hey, hang on, you're not supposed to do that. It's the Sabbath. In fact, for them, they went so far as to detail out how many steps you could take on the Sabbath before it began to be work. So you could walk about a quarter of a mile on the Sabbath, but if you walked any further than that, you were guilty of breaking the Sabbath command. Or, listen to this, this is how crazy it got. If a wall were to fall on top of someone and crush them, you could do enough work to remove the stones and check with the person to see if they were okay. And if they said they were okay, then you quit. You let them lay there under the wall and you come back after the Sabbath to remove the rest of the rocks. Like that's how crazy things got around the Sabbath. And so for Jesus, we see this in Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, Mark chapter 2, 23 through 27, Luke 13, 10 through 17, and Luke 14, 1 through 6. Jesus say to the religious leaders, you guys have missed the boat about what it looks like to honor the Lord on the Sabbath day. You are able to do acts of mercy. You are able to save people. You are able to do what is necessary. Don't look at this command Jesus says and take it to an extreme that's just simply man-made tradition wrapped around this. Recognize the heart of the command is that we desperately need an opportunity to cease from working and to rest and worship the Lord. We also see in the New Testament a very clear promise. I'd encourage you in your time with the Lord this week to look at Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. It's a beautiful picture as the writer of Hebrews walks through and talks about this idea of rest. And that all of the Old Testament is pointing to the ultimate rest for our souls we find in Jesus Christ the Messiah. So in a real sense, Jesus, you may have heard people say this before, Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Our souls find rest in no one else and no thing other than a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I'd say to you this morning, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, your soul will not find rest apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not only do we see the clear pattern, the clear position, the clear promise, we also see in Scripture a very clear process for how we talk about the Sabbath today. This is interesting because if you think about it, in the New Testament, as 
Jews and Gentiles, both are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. They are wrestling through how do we best understand the Old Testament law? How do we best understand what's going on there? And the Sabbath was a key aspect of this. And so what we see in Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 23, and Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23, we see very clearly that Paul highlights a couple of things. The first one is this, that the way that we talk about fulfilling the Sabbath command should not become contentious within the church. It should not create division. Because that's exactly what was happening in the early church. People were looking at the Jewish festival days. They were looking at the Sabbath and the Gentiles were coming in. And the Gentiles' perspective is, we don't really care about those days. And you see in the New Testament, the fact that for Christians, that the day of rest, the Sabbath day, had really shifted to be recognized on the day that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. It's why we celebrate this on Sunday today, the day of the Lord. And so they were wrestling through internally as the church, how do we understand the Sabbath? How do we understand these festivals in the Old Testament? Do we keep practicing them or do we not keep practicing them? And it arose to bring division within the early church. And Paul writes and says, listen, this is not an issue to divide over. In fact, he says to them that we should recognize a very clear principle, and that is that for us as followers of Jesus, we need rest from work and we need time devoted to worship the Lord. Those two things are non-negotiable. That is the essence of what the Sabbath command was. And so in that, Paul says, now whether we celebrate it on Saturday or Sunday, don't fight about that. Whether we celebrate that in this way or that way, don't fight about that. And if you have, as a follower of Jesus, a strong conviction, this is what I need to do. This is what it looks like to walk in obedience by my conscience before the Lord. Then pursue that and follow that. But Paul says very clearly in Colossians, do not transfer that onto another believer as if this is a law that they must observe it the same way that you do. So I want you to hear me in this. What I'm not saying is we just discard the Sabbath command. Not an option. We have to understand that for us as followers of Jesus, we see in the Sabbath command a gift from God. That is a gift where we cease working. We rest in the Lord and we worship Him. So that for us is what the command looks like as we walk through Scripture together. So here's the question. What about today? How do we take this fourth command? How do we live this out in our daily lives? Well, let me make two statements, and then I want us to walk through just some questions for us to consider this morning as we think about this. Here are the two statements that I want to make, and I want to make these very plainly, very clearly we need dedicated time 
to rest from work. You and I, as followers of Jesus, need time where we rest from work. And here's the problem in this contemporary society. Because of technology, work is always at your doorstep. Have you ever thought about that? Your phone dings with an email. I get emails sometimes at 3 o'clock in the morning from some of you. I do. And I'm thinking, you need to rest. That's what you need. We need a dedicated time to rest from work. Now, here's what that presupposes, that we are working. Which people have looked and said that the fall brings about work, and that's not the case at all. In fact, God put Adam and Eve in the garden and gave them a job, gave them work to fulfill for us as human beings. We were created to work, but that's not all that we were created to do. And so the Lord graciously says to us, you need rest from work. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and you think, Pastor, I, I got this figured out. I am retired. I'm always resting, right? Listen to me. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. If that's your mindset, you need something to do or you will ultimately fall apart and you will be done. You hear me? Even if you are retired from your job, your vocation, you still need something to do, spending your time working. It's what you were wired to do. Here's the second statement. We need dedicated time to worship the Lord. When we look at the Sabbath command, these are the two aspects that we have to recognize and understand that God graciously to his people in Israel and to us today says to us, you need time to rest from work. You need time to worship the Lord. And so I want us to think through some questions this morning together. Practically, what does this look like in our lives? And I think you should look at this as you consider your day, as you consider your week, as you consider the month and the year. What does it look like for you in the course of a day to stop working and to rest and to worship the Lord? What does it look like in the course of a week for you to stop working, to rest, and to worship the Lord? What about in a month and what about in a year? So let's look at these questions together as we remember the Sabbath. Question number one, have I found ultimate rest for my soul in Jesus Christ? You see, this morning, that is where it begins. For you and I to experience the rest we were created to experience, it begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is our Sabbath rest. And so if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know the step for you to take this morning is to begin there. To take that step of placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. To enter into the Sabbath rest that he provides. Here's question number two. Do I intentionally set aside time to rest from work? And what prevents me from doing this? 
You heard the statement, burning the candle at both ends. Some of you are living that out right now. You are absolutely exhausted. And I want you to recognize the problem is the person that looks at you when you look in the mirror. You won't stop from working. Work is a good thing until it becomes a God thing, until it takes all of our lives. So I want to encourage you, find time to cease from working. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I, I, I have to do that for my job. You may think that, but probably, arguably, one of the greatest college football coaches in all of America retired not too long ago. His name was Nick Saban at the University of Alabama. We all hate him. Amen. <laughs> but I want you to listen to this. The greatest football coach probably in college of all time, they replaced him in 36 hours. Listen to me. If I fall dead tomorrow, you'll find another pastor. And your employer will find somebody else to fill your shoes. Take an opportunity to rest from work. Here's the third question. Do I intentionally set aside time to worship the Lord? In the course of your day, in the course of the week, in the course of a month, in the year, do you schedule time to not work, to rest, and to spend time worshiping the Lord? Here's what I love about Sundays, at least so far, and it's pressing in on it, I know that, this day, for the most part, has been set aside. Now, here's the thing. I know that our culture increasingly is encroaching on this with work, with travel ball, with all kinds of things that are going on. And can I just challenge you? Do not give in to that. Set aside this day as an opportunity to rest from work and to worship the Lord. To simply say, no, I will not commit my Sunday. I am going to worship the Lord. Question number four. Let me ask you this. What is one practical step that I can take this week to intentionally rest from work and worship the Lord? This question is before you. It's before me this morning. Not what does this look like perfectly lived out, but what is one step that you can take this week to rest, to cease from work, and to worship the Lord. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning as our worship team comes up. Maybe you came in today and you are not yet a follower of Jesus. And for you, the step that you need to take this morning is to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior to experience the Sabbath rest that can only be found in Him for your soul. 
If that's a step that you need to take, we would love to help you take that step this morning. Our pastors will be down front in just a little bit. Come and grab one of our hands and just say, I need to take that step of trusting Jesus as my Savior. Maybe for you this morning, you look and say, Pastor, I am a slave, if I'm honest, to work in my life. And the step you need to take is to rest, to cease. And maybe this is an opportunity, just a commitment before the Lord. Lord, I'm... I'm going to do what you have called me to do. Maybe it is setting apart this day on Sunday as we gather to worship and you say, I am going to make the commitment that nothing else is more important than setting aside this day to worship the Lord. I'm committing to that. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We ask that you would work in our hearts and our lives, apply it, encourage us, convict us, bring us into obedience this morning. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, join us this morning as we sing. Our altar is open, our pastors are down front. You come.